Hey gearheads and welcome to GT Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I am your host Corey and I am just beyond excited to share just another great episode with you. This one was an interview focusing on a rather historic event that happened very recently in Saudi Arabia and that is the Rally Jamil. It is an all-women's rally held in the nation of Saudi Arabia, which uh, we will get into the details later, but if you know anything about the situation, was epic unto itself. Add on top of it the rally aspect, and it, it was just an amazing event that I wish I could have been there to capture, to report on, uh, but getting to speak with today's guests is the next best thing. So joining me today, I have Lynn Woodward and Sedona Blinson joining me. They were uh, a driver and co-pilot navigational assistant uh, team together this year on the inaugural Rally Jamil in Saudi Arabia. Well, Sedona and Lynn, so awesome to have you here virtually with me on the podcast. Thank you Hi. so much. It's great to be here. Yes, I, I am very excited. So you and I, we all have a mutual connection in the wonderful, the awesome, the legendary Sue Mead, uh, who has been along the ride with y'all on uh, the Rally Jamil in Saudi Arabia doing press and covering the event. But before we get into all of the nitty gritty of the rally itself, I want to kind of get into a little bit of who y'all are and, and we'll dig into that. So Lynn, why don't we start with you? Can you share a little bit of your background with the audience? Yeah, you got it. Um, my name is Lynn Woodward and my day job is uh, as an automotive reviewer for Kelly Blue Book. I am honored to be able to do video reviews for them. So you can find me on the KBB YouTube channel as well as on the KBB Instagram and TikTok channels. Um, I, I work with a great team and it's wonderful to be able to talk about new sheet metal. I love that, uh, that I get to review cars and help consumers with what I think is a very intimidating, especially these days, and very expensive purchase. So that's kind of what I do for my day job, but I'm also um, just a writer in general. Um, I've written a couple of screenplays. I have a couple of movies that I'm currently shopping around right now, um, a couple that are completely uncar related. So it's uh, that's marvelous as well. And I also have the high honor and um, joy of being a rally driver for um, Team Wild Grace with my amazing co-driver navigator Sedona Blinson, and um, so it's a it's a full life, but it's a it's a very rewarding and fulfilling life, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful. It, I I feel very blessed. Yes, uh, I was mentioning before we started recording, I've been watching you on the KBB YouTube for years now, and the team out there puts out great work. Uh, Y'all have been inspirations to me in my journey. So that is awesome and very exciting uh, that you're working on some extracurricular outside of the automotive. I, I look forward to spare time. Yeah. Yes. I look All forward to seeing the fruit of that. Also, so no, it's great. I um, I'm one of those people who this is this is not a, a first career for me. This is probably more like a third career for me. Um, so you know, if if you're if you're interested in in something and you're a little later on in life, don't be afraid to go for it and try and and um, you know, because it's worked for me. And and even if I still do things that are kind of hobbies, I I still get to say that I do stuff that I love. So sure. it's uh it's been a it's been a really a fulfilling life, and I, I feel like I'm kind of firing on all cylinders right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's like I said, uh, very inspiring words. I, I've done similar things. I quit my corporate job after 12 years to pursue automotive. So, uh, yeah, it you can never be locked into something. You never have to be locked into something if yeah. you don't want to be. Do something you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. And what a nice segue into Sedona and joining us today. Sedona, hello. Hi, um, 
My name is Sedona Blinson, and um, I am a mom of two very adventurous, busy boys um, and a wife. And I kind of broke into this automotive world rally off-road navigation uh, situation about seven years ago when I started doing the Rebel. Okay. Um, so it was not, like Lynn said, it's not always the first thing. And I didn't know that this would be the trajectory of my life since. Um, but it led me to do something incredible and go to Saudi Arabia and compete internationally. Um, so I, as a day job situation, I am a writer, a social media manager. Um, and uh, I get to do that with my husband. And we do that together at home. So um, it's awesome. that has been a change in our life, too, in the last year. And um, it's been really interesting to kind of switch it up and get to work alongside my favorite person in the whole wide world. And, uh, <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and then as an extracurricular, I do get to be with Lynn quite often. And I love that too. So, um, I started doing rally driving and navigating because I was trying to find myself as a separate entity from being a mom and a wife. And um, I really am really excited to get to do that alongside Lynn and the incredible women that we went to Saudi with. Um, it's just a very bright way to look at the world. It, it absolutely is. Uh, you two ladies are not the first rally drivers I've interviewed. I've uh, spoken with a Dakar uh, rally participant and Amy Lerner. And then I've had numerous conversations with a fellow Rebel Rally uh, participants as well. So uh, the, it makes me very jealous. <laughs> I will just throw that out there right now. The stories that we've gotten to share uh, from uh, Mercedes Lilienthal and their VW EV doing the Rebel and just the craziness that came in addition to the challenge of the Rebel with that has been just incredibly awesome to hear. And I'm over here like, okay, well, I, I want to do something cool like that. So I I've got my feelers out and my ears open. I'm listening for uh, fun activities for me out there. But uh, what we came here today to speak about is y'all recently participated in the Rally Jamil in Saudi Arabia, which was an all-women's rally, which in and of itself, uh, given the location, is quite an astounding feat, correct? Yeah, so the women of Saudi just were able to receive licenses um, in 2018. So just the fact that that was just a few short years ago, and now they are competing in off-road rallies is monumental. It's really incredible to be a part of that historical moment. So yeah, not only uh, just historical in that uh, four years ago, being able to drive, but to have an exclusive all-women's event and to have women from all over the globe come and participate uh, you, you, the two of you were part of how many Americans in, in this event? I know Emmy Hall was on one of the other teams. Yeah, there were three, there were three American teams who went over Emmy Hall and Rebecca Donaghy, um, as well as Dana and Susie Saxton. They're a mother daughter, okay. um, team normally in the rebel, they pair up with other people, but this was the first time that they teamed up together. Um, Dana just happened to be the oldest a competitor in the group, and I think was a really um, was a really great example for all of those women to see that you know limitations are only the things that you put on yourself. And um, for us, it was it was a very important um, it was a very important moment to be a part of. Certainly, it was a high honor for us to go and um, uh, not only to support these women, but to represent our country. Um, in uh in saudi arabia and uh yeah it was i mean it was interesting because you go in with expectations because of whatever you read in the news or whatever you you know other people tell you and i i mean i think our experience was very very different from what we both expected right yeah you know, travel has a way of kind of opening your eyes and uh, allowing you to see and experience things that you've previously have to live through other people's lenses. And my wife is in the tourism industry. So she is always in my ear about travel and it, just experiencing the world around us. So yeah, that's, 
I was watching the promotion video that uh, Sue had sent me and just seeing all the stunning sights and everything that y'all were able to experience while participating in this rally was absolutely amazing unto itself. Uh, add on the layer of the people and just the culture that you've been immersed in uh, is quite astounding. I think often women are kind of underestimated too. I mean, I think that, you know, to Sedona's point that these women just, you know, barely just got driver's license. I mean, some of them literally got their driver's license like the week before the rally. So, uh, but, you know, I, we found, we, we found so many of them to be just like so excited and so open and wanted to hear, you know, how, oh, what do we do about this? And how is, you know, how do I find that, you know, when I'm stuck, you know, when I'm stuck, how do I get out of, how do I get out of that? Or, or if I can't find my way, like navigationally, what can I do to, to sort of help get myself sort of oriented and situated? And um, that was such a joy for us because our, you know, our initial intention was just, hey, listen, we want to, we want to go support these ladies. Like, right. this is amazing. So this rally, much like the Dakar, much like the Rebel, is a na navigational rally, correct? That uh, is not a race. Uh, so many people think, okay, we're, we're in this to be there first. Or, uh, but you have certain waypoints that you have to meet and find using old school navigation methods and uh, navigating without GPS, basically, correct? For the Rally Jamil, um, their format was much like the Dakar. Okay. So it, it was a roadbook. Um, it wasn't mapping compass navigation. It was a roadbook. And we had a rally computer um, that was GPS. Okay. Um, so it was a little bit different than what we do here at the Rebel. Um, so this, we they kind of tell you how to go about and the waypoints open up. And then you have to go and try and find them per the rally computer. Um, so it's a little bit different, and but like you said, not a race. And right. I think taking out, like omitting that part of rally driving allows women that have hardly driven off-road or want to take the car that's in their driveway, it gives them that opportunity um, while still being safe and adventurous. Um, and that's, it. you can tell that that happened because the women that had never done it before or had never driven had that chance to do that and try their hand at it. Yeah, you could you could drive a stock vehicle. When you eliminate speed, a stock vehicle becomes a viable option. Otherwise, you need a roll cage, you need, you know, a six-point harness, you need a Hans, you need all these other safety equipment. And um, and it limits, it's it's not as um it's just not as open to um, a broader reach um, of of competitor. And so, and that was really the Jamil's focus. Um, so it is a little bit of a, of, of a hybrid situation mm -hmm. where you have part of the Dakar um, sort of navigation, but then you eliminate, you eliminate by and large the speed. And so, but I think as a first year, um, you know, as a first year format, I think it was very effective. Um, and I still think it was plenty challenging for a lot of those teams out there, including us. Right. So there, there was a speed element in that there was a speed limit. Uh, again, kind of forcing you to... for some competitors who are used to speed, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you had certain average times that you're trying to hit, but definitely had a speed limit again for protection sake, for opening up the playing field and, you know, a different challenge in a completely different way. Yeah. Um, so on the date, like on, other than on tarmac, our speed limit was 70 kilometers an hour. Um, and then Lynn, my, off the top of your head, what were the average speeds? So our average speeds, we had four um, average speed, average speed challenges um, that were interspersed a, across the three days. The first day, the average speed challenge was 38 kilometers an hour, which is about 23 miles an hour. Um, the second day, the average speed was 43 kilometers an hour. We had two challenges, two separate challenges in that day. And the final day was 49 kilometers an hour. So these are not high speeds, right. but when you, when you remember that, you know, you're kind of, you're driving on like on 
sand highways through you know through dunes and you're kind of navigating hairpin turns and you're on gravel roads that are um that you know have ditches in them and whoops in them or you're going up steep inclines and then coming down like being able to really um to exercise throttle control and you know car control is is super super difficult i would venture to say maybe as hard, if not harder, to drive at a slow speed um, and maintain that average, you know, over 10, 20, 25 kilometers, 30 kilometers, whatever it was that they asked us to do, um, it's just as stressful. Right. Just in a different way. Yeah. So, Sedona, your job was the navigational side of things, keeping Lynn on track. And I guess you also had to help maintain or help her uh, figure out those average speeds and making sure she was sticking to those challenges, correct? Yeah. So the, uh, yes, I am the navigator. So I do, I get the road book and I get to keep us on track. And um, this was a fun new challenge for me, um, strictly doing road book. It was fun. The pace was really fun. Like I know that we keep talking about how we, we're not speeding, but you know, in other navigation rallies and we get out and we look and we pause like this, that's not the case with the rally Jamil. We got to sit in there and kind of keep pace and keep on track. Um, and as far as the average speed, like we do a little bit of calculations. Lynn actually does the math so she can have a visual of like, this is the timing of what we need to be at for this. Um, but a lot of that for this format, just because of how they um, score it, it was a lot of Lynn's throttle control more than me being like, you're going too fast. You're going too slow. Cause that's not, it's not super helpful. Right, like it, right. just, and it has to fluctuate like over and over. Um, some of the newer girls have, who had never understood the average speed sections were like, but you can't like you can, and you can't like, you can't maintain 48 while you're taking a turn. Right. Like you can't. So, you know, they have to understand how to average that out and how to go a little above and a little below and, and how that shifts. Um, and a lot of that plays for sure on the driver. Um, and the navigation was challenging in a different way because um, some of those waypoints or those turns are, are coming up quick anyway. And I have to just be ahead of the game on the road book and letting it letting make sure that we're still on the right track. Because when you get into open desert, um, there could be three, two tracks that are generally the same direction. And so just making sure we're kind of keeping the same the same path. And you had 50 different waypoints that had to you had to track down? Um, yeah, in a 140 total. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So 50 per day. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry, going through some notes that I've got here, and uh, helps if I read the the whole paragraph. <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. And honestly, like the rules, it's interesting because again, this is a first year. You know, this was a first year event. Um, the rules, sort of as they kind of figured things out, like fluctuated a little bit. So there were definite adjustments to our rule book, even right up till you know the drivers meeting, the first drivers meeting um, the night before stage one. So that kind of leads us into the vehicle and that aspect. Lynn, I'm going to ask you, what were you driving? <laughs> we named our car the pig. Well, I named my car, the, our car the pig. Um, it was a car that we do not have available here in the United States. So it was a, a 2021 or 2022 Toyota Fortuner, okay. um, which I've never even heard of before. And I review cars for a living. Um, so the Fortuner is basically it's a it's an SUV, um, but it's body on frame. So it's built on a Hilux, a Toyota Hilux chassis. Um, and it is a four by four vehicle. So it has a, you know, it had a, a low, a transfer case and a, and a low gear. We never used that. We never did any driving that was, um, that made that necessary. Um, so we were an all wheel drive the entire time. Um, we had a, uh, I think it had it like, it has a 2.6 liter four cylinder in it. Okay. Um, that probably made about 160, 100, high 160s horsepower. Um, so, you know, the pig, the pig struggled a little <laughs> bit. Um, it had that, that marvelous Toyota, uh, that let's call it a vintage Toyota six speed, uh, automatic mm -hmm. transmission. 
um, which is bulletproof, right? I mean, that's the transmission you want if you're going to drive your car for 30 years. Right. Um, but it's, you know, the, the gearing, the gearing was at least long. Um, I could happily sit in like second or third pretty much the entire time um, and just kind of live in that space, like revving fairly high for, for more technical stuff. We did air down um, at one point the last day when we were sort of driving in some softer, slightly bigger sand dunes. But, you know, listen, overall, it, it's a Toyota product. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty game for whatever you're willing to throw at it. I There was one time where I was like, I wonder if I'm going to like have any like any risk of burning up the transmission here. And I was like, nah, probably not. <laughs> so it was great. I mean, those, but those are the kind of vehicles that are built for that right. environment. Um, you see them everywhere out in Saudi. So you know that you could just probably beat the snot out of it and it would do just fine. Um, and it was great for us. It ended up being, you know, a fun little vehicle. I actually loved how it looked. Yeah. Sedona and I thought it had great stance. And I was like, oh, you slap some KO2s on that. Maybe give yeah. it a little bit of a lift. That thing looks pretty good. It was definitely fun to like, you like stood back and you're like, I think that's totally going to be able to handle the train. It's fine. Um, and being in it, I think the bigger struggle was having to try and go like 140 kilometers an hour in it, which is like oh. 87. Like it just yeah. didn't love being like so high. Like it would have liked 65. It's it had a limiter. Corey had a limiter on it at 120 kilometers an hour, and it didn't limit the speed, but it definitely like beeped at you. Yeah. It was like you've exceeded 120 kilometers, which is just like oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, Toyotas beep at pretty much everything. I'm driving a uh, 22 Highlander at the moment that was dropped off. And yeah, the Toyotas just beep. You, you get used to it. <laughs> I love it. Yes, they're beepy. Yeah, but uh, so... But the pig, the pig prevailed. The pig yeah. prevailed. I'm looking at pictures of it now. It's got a nice uh, nice stance to it. I, I yeah. saw uh, there were some of the new uh, overseas-only uh Toyota Land Cruisers out there. I was kind of hoping that maybe wow. y'all got into one of those, but uh, we did not get into one of those. Um, but uh, you know what? Those those things are sort of go anywhere, do anything. Vehicles, we love those. That just has a stout V8 in there that just can absolutely just rip over anything. Um, but no, we were actually hoping that our Fortuner was going to be a V6. We were told that it was a V6, but that did not happen. I mean, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was like from a rental car fleet. Oh, well. And that's that. And we had, so we had just like regular, just the stock AT tires on there. Um, they were, um, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, who made the tire? They were not good. <laughs> they were not good. They were just very Dunlop. They were Dunlop tires. Oh my gosh. <laughs> very little, like super little tread. No. Like no shoulder on the side. Well, I mean, you know, but but listen, it wasn't the, the driving wasn't so aggressive that we needed more car than what we had. Right. I mean, shoot, the woman who won wanted in a Rav Four on summer tires, so she's a stud. Yeah, it just goes to speak to again, kind of the level setting of the playing field for this entire event, being that it's waypoint based and speed is kind of working against you in some aspects. So uh, while the pig may have struggled on the higher speed segments, uh, I'm sure it, it fared quite well during all the treacherous stuff. Yeah, grunty and very more than adequate. Any just outstanding memories that you would take from this, whether it would be a particularly tough segment or just all out crazy, I can't believe this happened uh, if i wrote it in a movie nobody would believe it donut you go first um there are two moments um but one one is when we were driving so we had on our last on the day three we had our last average speed section um i think rallies like this if you've never done them before and if they're new like by day three, you're finally getting in your stride. It, it takes a minute to really get in that. But right out off the start line was our average speed section. Um, and anyone that knows Lynn and I, like 
we talk to each other a lot. We chat to each other and in other time speed sections of other rallies, we talk a lot because Lynn wants all the information and we're just like shouting out the things. And I just, we were on this side path of the, these big dunes. Um, and it was kind of like a paved science sand highway situation. Um, like not, it was like primitively paved. I should right. say it wasn't like a super smooth thing. It was super hilly and we were dead quiet for maybe 17 minutes. I had never been that quiet in the car with Lynn trying to navigate. And I was, it was this weird position of being like, I have a moment to kind of look at these beautiful sand dunes that are like terracotta and fascinating and seeing like camels. Um, but also I'm competing like, next, like I'm supposed to be like focused on this. Um, and that was a really out of body experience for me um, because I've spent so much time in the car with Lynn and just to see how she was so focused on keeping that throttle control and um, taking that challenge very, very much on herself um, for sure. And she did not need my navigation expertise at that moment. And so I was trying to find that balance. And that was a big um, moment competing for me and as teammates to see us in that different position. Um, and I kind of loved it. It was fun to watch. I love watching Lynn in her element. <laughs> um, and then the other that moment, moment, that was the moment I'll just interject, but that was the moment that, um, I think that really pushed us over the edge. It was one of those Zen moments where if, if you've ever had a driving experience or something where you're, you are in a team situation like that, where you just become one with your vehicle and mm -hmm. the vehicle becomes an extension of you. Um, it's what I chase as a driver that those moments don't come often. Right. And, um, you just sort of, yeah, it's, it is definitely an out of body experience, but it was that, it was that, um, average speed challenge that pushed us over the edge. We ended up winning stage three overall, and it, it, uh, it pushed us above the, the rest of the American team. So we finished, um, first of the American teams and it was because of that, of that 17 minutes. Nice. And, you know, we, we came out of that section and you kind of, you just knew, you knew that that was right. However, mm -hmm. that played out in the scoring, it's not an issue, but like just knowing like, oh, we did that right. right. Um, so it was kind of a great way to start day three. Um, I think the other time, the other moment I had was watching the team that plays second. So we had met them at the beginning of the competition. We had like a little kind of meet and greet with a few of the teams, um, which is the whole reason we wanted to go over there. While we love competing, we really wanted to lift the women over there and, and right. um, experience this international rally for ourselves on a personal level, not just on a competitive level. Um, so we met this team and they were from there was one, the driver was from UAE and the other one was from the US, but lived in Riyadh and Saudi. And um, watching them compete for the three days was an awesome experience because they had never competed in a rally. They were like, there was, she was a stay at home mom and an engineer. Um, and just watching them get in their groove and really take on the challenge was, was amazing. We, I mean, that's what I did seven years ago and just, seeing that come to fruition for other people was probably one of my favorite things to walk away with. And that was with many teams, but watching them compete hard and, and play second, I think overall they, that stood out for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Lynn, what about for you? It looks like you're cooking up something good over there. <laughs> I mean, listen, for, for me, I, I, I would definitely like echo what, what Sedona just said. Those moments were definitely standout moments. Um, I think during the ceremonial start, you know, we had a moment up on this stage, all the, all the competitors drove up on stage and we, um, and we, you know, we kind of got out of the car and Hassan Jamil, well, you know, they had a the sort of the Saudi flag that was sort of the ceremonial green flag kind of come out and, and you sort of saw the sea of, of media, you know, photographers taking, taking pictures and, that was really the first time that I connected that I was there as a representative of the United States. Um, I love my country very much. I'm very proud to be here. I know I'm very fortunate to be here, um, especially when I travel and I, and I see other, other countries and, um, we're not perfect by any means. Nobody is, there's no such thing as perfect. Um, but boy, 
it was just this like this swell of of emotion and of pride um to be from from the US and we had a, our flag on our you know on the side of our cars with our names and every time we met Saudi nationals and we went around quite a bit just to just you know it, it out and around town going to their version of Walmart and people would come up to us and ask us oh are you know where are you from and we would say we're from America and they're just their faces just lit up and it was wonderful to see because I think so often we hear how there's so much friction and there's so much, you know, animosity, but it, I, I think people are not their governments. And right. I think for the most part, like there was such joy and women that we saw driving just on the highway would pull out their phones and, and take pictures of us and do TikToks and Snapchats of us. And the, the reception and how we were how we were received there was something that was beyond my expectation um, and was was a very was a very profound moment for me. Um, so, yeah, it was it was it was unex very unexpected, very special. Yeah. And, and just going back to the fact that you were in a country that had only previously four years prior given that opportunity to the women. So uh, that is awesome. I, I, I can even, even for the rest of the, of, of the people there, tourism is a very, very new, um, is a new concept to them. They were a very closed off country before. And these people will literally, we would fill up with gas and people would come up to the windows and say, please come to my house and have, and, and have, eat. A, meal. have a meal with me. And it was just this, this open, I mean, if you tell somebody, oh, I like your watch, they will literally take it off their wrist and give it to you. And it's just, that's this, this sort of this, this generosity, this openness, this like almost this hunger for community and for, for global community and, and that, that touch point to what is outside and beyond. And being a part of that, being able to see that was beyond what any what any you know competitive experience in a rally could bring to us and that just kind of goes back to what we were talking about uh travel and the enlightenment that it, it affords you to be able to see different parts of the world through your own lens instead of what's being portrayed for you for or sure. delivered to you through whatever media so yeah man that sounds like a truly awesome experience uh, just to revel in and make sure that you uh, keep it locked in uh, for the rest of your life. Uh, I believe we spoke a little bit about uh, how you placed uh, and finished versus the other Americans. How did y'all do overall? We, we placed fifth overall. So we had one day where we won the, the stage, the day. Right. Um, and then, so that put us at fifth out of 35 teams. I think there were 34 teams. Yeah. We had, you know, it, this was a new format right. for us. And so there were some, um, there were some technic, there were some technical things on the first day, um, time, time cards um, that, and, and sort of like time control issues that we had. Um, on the course, uh, we actually did very well, um, both on the on the select section, which is basically the off-road section, and uh, on our average speed. Um, but those time, you know, just those time snafus that we had, um, unfortunately, penalized us a little bit. Otherwise, we would have, we definitely would have made the podium. Um, but you know what? I, I think in the grand scheme of things, we um, we we thought that it was an appropriate finish. You know, I love that a that a pro rally team um, in Annie Seal and Michaela um, from both from Sweden that they that they took the podium and more more interestingly enough for for both Sedona and I because we kind of became friends with them is um, Atifa uh, Selah and um, Eleanor Coker both um, came in second and I think they were as shocked as anybody um, and just so happy uh, uh, to have to have achieved that um, and to to be able to watch them achieve that was was more special than us being on any podium. Well, I would like to congratulate y'all on on your finish and uh, doing 
very well. You said fifth out of 30 plus uh, mm -hmm. participants. So that's amazing in and of itself. Uh, a new format, a, a new race rally altogether. Uh, so it, it is very commendable, very exciting. It sounds like the memories are, are the most important thing that y'all are taking home from this event for sure. We also will say one of our more, one of our more like fun moments that we can say is um, we actually recover. We helped recover and dig out the winning team um, out of the sand with our max truck. So yeah, <laughs> they're welcome. <laughs> you got that far because of us. <laughs> That's right. You're welcome. <laughs> You know, it's all about teamwork. For us, For sure. that's what it's all about. It's not just about, you know, part of the, our competition is helping other people out on the on the course. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and you all have said it since we, we got on this call. You truly wanted to lift up the women of uh, Saudi and uh, surrounding areas and just be a part, uh, a, a spotlight, a, a, a trumpet to the world of what these women are capable of and able to accomplish so and i think there's there was part of it too that you know emily miller was there and emily is the um the founder and the director of the rebel rally and you know i think all of us she is a she is a, a, a very big example of how we want to um sort of position ourselves and be ourselves in the world um not just in the rally world but as human beings as you know as 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 our fellow, you know, fellow man. And so really it was important for us to be, to represent as to show how, how she would want us to compete. Plus like we're all terrified of her secretly, um, <laughs> but we respect the heck out of her and she's just this amazing, formidable woman. And so, um, you know, you, you really look up to those role models and you try and emulate them. And that's, we know that that's what she would have done. Um, and so that's how we, that's how we rally. Right. Well, speaking of the rebel, uh, do y'all have any current plans set in place? Anything finalized for future events? Oh, well, <laughs> um, we are in the works of, it had, we had it taken us a minute to recover yeah. from the last one. <laughs> so I am, right. I have competed in all, um, six years of the rebel. Yes. Um, and after this one, both Lynn and I were like, Ooh, we're a little tired. <laughs> um, anyone that knows about the rebel, it's, you know, it's eight days of competition, but it's really two weeks off of your day to day just to get through it. And um, we have just come about to wanting to compete again and deciding that we would like to go one more time and um, see how this plays out for us. We, we will never be able to shake the rebel in all actuality, <laughs> like that we will always be doing something that right. comes with it, whether we're at some point I might be able to, <laughs> 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 like, but not yet, but not, yet. <laughs> not quite yet. Well, and it's, it's one of those things where, it, like she said, where you've become close to Emily and that you kind of go, well, I guess I'm going to help you out with media or whatever right. we decide we'd like to help with, but um, so we will be competing again this year. Um, we're just not sure with how that's going to play out with what we'll be driving and things like that. So when yeah. we're ready, we'll, we'll make, we'll definitely make an announcement. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to hearing something about what your future plans are and how, how it all comes to be, what you'll be driving and uh, just looking forward to that. I, I mentioned before we've interviewed uh, Mason Converse and Aaron Mason. We've uh, oh, nice. Those are amazing ladies. Yeah, Emily and uh, uh, Mercedes from their team. So w we've had uh, just tons of contact with the Rebel and are looking forward to another year of that. Uh, Sedona, you did come up as being a participant in all the years. Uh, in, in our previous conversation. So huh. I will link uh, those uh, certain episodes in the show notes for anyone listening to this and want to go back and hear those conversations because, again, they are great. Mercedes, like I said, was driving an electric vehicle in uh, the Rebel Rally last year. So just I'll an added layer. An electric, an electric vehicle with very, very limited ground clearance. Uh, yeah. it, yes. <laughs> she did a great job just getting to the finish line in that thing. I tip my hat to Mercedes, 100%. Yes. And uh, just a blast of a conversation with them as well. Yes. 
So from there, I'm going to pivot to uh, close out this interview on on a fun note uh, on more of a uh, maybe a lightning round type of question. <laughs> I've got a set of eight different questions in a segment we call Random Misfire, where I will shoot out this or that, yes or no kind of questions. Uh, there's no wrong answer. So don't don't feel like you've got any score here or anything to keep. But just help get our audience and myself acclimated with who you are and be encouraged to follow you along your future stories. So if y'all are ready, I'll let y'all figure out who answers first, but uh, we will shoot through this. I feel like I've already got the answer to this one. I, I ask it every single time. I've got a list of more than eight, but this is the one I always ask. Do you name your vehicles? I know oh, yeah. you name the pig, but... The pig, the pig Bruce, yeah. Scarlet, um, and... Um, Oh, what was um, what was the Armada? McGregor. Um, Mc McGregor. <laughs> so yes, all of yes. them. Yes. Same. Yes. Yeah, especially going through what you go through with the vehicles, you really, like you said, Lynn, earlier, you kind of they become an extension of you. You really get to know their personality and how they behave and react. Mm -hmm. So it, it's only for a third teammate. You have to make sure that they're truly part of the team. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. I, while I did preface this with there not being any wrong answers, that's the only one I secretly hold that there is a wrong answer to. <laughs> Y'all both got it correct. So I name, I name all my personal cars too. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. This will be a good one. Do you prefer two wheels or four? Oh, four, 100%. Four. Yeah. Two wheels, four two wheels is too, too few. <laughs> I need four to make wheels. that into a t-shirt. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I just, I never got into uh, the whole motorcycle thing. I, I've been told when, once you dip your toe in, you'll be hooked, but. Uh, yeah, I'm still I shaky on a bicycle, so. <laughs> yeah, I had a good friend die on a, on a motorcycle when I was 17. And that ever since then. Yeah. No. Game, game over. Let's see here. Um, <laughs> I've got to ask, uh, especially of you, Lynn, because I know you've driven both. I've seen you drive both. Are you Team Wrangler or Team Bronco? Oh, oh my God. Um, <laughs> terrible question. I will say in my own household, we are split because... Uh, we had a Bronco here for a week. My wife absolutely adored it to the point she was like, when are we getting one? And I followed it up with testing a JL Wrangler for a day and just remembering everything I loved about the OG off-roader that I was like, yeah. there To me, there are some standout things on both of those that uh, I could do without. Like, like the things that they excel at um, are great. I right. think... Oh God. The problem <laughs> is, is like Scott Brown will kill me if I don't say Wrangler and Mike Levine would be very upset if I don't say Bronco. Um, I got, get them both. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I, the perfect two car garage, right? Since I have no like intimate, like relationships with any of these people that I have to worry about. If I had to pick one to be in my driveway, I would want a two door Bronco. Yeah. I mean, I, th yeah. that that's truly the the thing. I mean, I, the way that it looks, the like the, the wheelbase of it, mm -hmm. the um the road manners of it. Frankly, road manners of the Bronco are better than the road manners of the Wrangler, hundred percent. Um, so if you're using it as a as a daily as well as an off fun off road car, um, for me it would probably be you know definitely two door Bronco. Yeah, the anguish. Steering the steering dude is just like, yeah. is so bad. <laughs> the anguish in your voice when I asked the question is all the answer you really need you as to dead, right? how like, great <laughs> both are. But yes, they both lean towards. I have the best, I have the best answer. Okay. Defender, Defender 90. <laughs> oh, I, I have yet to sample Defender 90, but the 110, I, I've, I was wanting to take that one home. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Yeah. As long as as long as like I as long as like my mechanic is not an issue. Like as right. long as the mechanical expense is taken out of the equation. Right. Right. Uh, they they do come with that uh, stigma that has only been proven uh, by certain YouTube channels. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Y'all have both competed in off-road rallies. What do you prefer more of? Is it more exciting to drive something fast on-road or something really fun off-road? Really fun off-road. Really fast off-road. Oh. No. <laughs> I like how you think there. Which leads perfectly into the next question, which I wasn't going to ask, but now you've just set me up for it, Lan. TRX or Raptor? Oh, okay. I did just do a comparison with the with Jeff Glucker and the Auto Trader guys. Um, you know, I, I think until the Raptor gets the Raptor R version, it's a tough comparison for right. me. I think dynamically that Raptor is just epic. I mean, it's so outstanding. That's not to say that the TRX isn't. The suspension on there is just so is so dialed in. That's a tough call. Right. Uh, that's another tough one for me because, um, yeah, I mean, I would take the Raptor without that, like, Mondo huge, huge-ass tire package that they have yes, on there. That's yes. just too big. Um than a Raptor with a V8. Oh. Oh. <laughs> These are horrible <laughs> questions. <laughs> Different directions. Uh, uh, I'm a split decision on that too. That's all good. That's all good. Being here in East Texas, they are literally both like everywhere Different. I look. They yeah. they are a family rig here in Texas. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's fun to see more stuff like that, which uh, kind of side question for you, Lynn, you probably have more insight than I do. What is General Motors doing? Not throwing a real hat into the game. Like, come on, right? They're too busy with the, they're too busy with the Hummer EV, yeah. Yeah. which I just drove and I'm not allowed to talk about it yet, but. Boy, I would have a lot to talk about right now if um, <laughs> if you could if the embargo had lifted, because um, that that thing is that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but right. you know what? I, I I think they're I think they're hedging their bets in the electric space. They which are. I, and I don't you know listen I I can talk to ask both of you these questions because Sedona and her husband are are truck owners too. It's like as a as a true truck person. You know, I feel like truck owners, there's sort of this badge of honor of 200, 300,000 miles on there. And I'm not sure that that mm -hmm. a an EV is going to be able to have the staying power. So I'm not 100 percent convinced yet that the true truck owner, like the true truck user um, is going to be swayed um, at this point with the EV truck like bonanza that's happening with Rivian and Hummer and Silverado, um, the and... lightning and the Silverado. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see. I was this close, like inches close to putting down a deposit on the Silverado EV for our channel and long-term comparison. I'm glad I didn't because my wife and I traveled to the Chicago auto show and interviewed Nicole Katz, uh, the lead design engineer and total awesome experience but walked away from there and I was like all right babe so like what do you think and she's like mm, ah she wasn't quite sold on it so I'm like whoa dodged a bullet there it's not cooked yet yeah that's yeah they're not cooked yet not for the people who are like truck people right city truck I, people yeah. yeah so what I think about with that is that EV trucks will be very good for fleet um fleet trucks They'd be very good for like around town construction. Um, you know, they still do that, but they've got a while to go. Like you said, cooked. Yeah. They're not cooked. Not cooked yet. Very but exciting, but still exciting that we get to be here while it's in the oven, right? Okay. I mean, we're watching we're watching a sea change and that's like super exciting. Yeah, none of us were around for uh the advent of the Model T and how that revolutionized. So it, yeah. it's very interesting to be this invested in the next phase. So yes, mm -hmm. uh, very apt way of putting it. 
All right, this one perhaps won't be as uh, hard a question to answer. New or classic? Ooh, I, I still got her. <laughs> I know, it's like, that's still hard. I, I believe that they both have their place right. for specific things. Um, I want to have, I mean, it took me a long time. I think that this is pretty across the board to own your first brand new car, right? right. It takes you a long time. But if you don't have those classics, you never learn how to drive a car the same. Mm. Never learn how to fix a car the same. Right. Um, you know, we have a classic Baja bug, and that's a totally different animal than exactly. driving a brand new truck. So they both are fun. I think they both have their place. Yes. yes. Yeah, I want an old, I want a new Lotus Emira, and I want, um, I want an old, I want an old, like, Land cruiser or an old Defender. <laughs> I want everything. <laughs> that is an epic two-car garage, though. So. Right. <laughs> All right. I can't wait for that Lotus to come out. Anyway, yes. Okay. All right. I think you keep something us, whether you think like it or not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you can't in... ask a car person one or the other. Right. I'm going to tell you both. Right. I right. Both. I have both right now. She has both. We can't decide. <laughs> Well, I'll end with two, no either or. I, I will remove the anguish of it and uh, <laughs> dig in a little more to your psyche. So uh, favorite driving song or genre or playlist uh, going on an epic road trip. What do you got loaded? For me, it's, uh, I mean, 100% like 80s music. Oh, yeah. Like when I was a kid, I mean, driving for me, I, I made my mom teach me how to drive when I was 14. I used to sit in the right seat, um, shifting for her in our Toyota Corolla um, SR5. And when I was 16, you know, it was the mid to late 80s. I could not get a car fast enough, even though it was a big, huge piece of garbage. And just the that that sense of like freedom and of like a complete autonomy. Um, and when I listen to any, th any music from the eighties, usually a song like Don Henley's boys of summer, mm -hmm. big song for me, but like that kind of great, like just happy, fun eighties music all day. So Donna, what about you? Oh, that's so hard. So mine, um, would be nineties country. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I, uh, my mom was a musician, um, and she played in dive bars and had a lot of fun. And all that music is very uh, pulls at my heartstrings, and I just that's the stuff that I can I know every word. And like while my music taste is very vast, right. <laughs> um, that is where I'm like if I'm gonna be jamming out for a few hours, '90s country, <laughs> a little boot scootin' boogie and achy breaky heart. Yeah, just all of those for sure. Actually, <laughs> speak to, to our so we have we both Sedona and I have very eclectic musical tastes. We also both have for for various reasons have musical theater background. Okay. Um, and you know, both of us when some of my favorite moments with Sedona, um, while while rallying, usually always on a transit because we're not as like in our head right. but when we have a little time to sort of take a breather um we turn on the radio and there is a lot of singing a lot of singing <laughs> makes every trip better instantly yeah, so oh i've got one left and just such a long list of okay uh you've already answered that sing in the car yes um, oh yeah yeah I'll, I'll end here so um we were talking about road trip music. What about road trip snacks? Oh. <laughs> so Lynn and I have a very favorite. Um, we had seen this swimming around and I'm like, this is absolutely yes. Um, road trip snacks should look like a nine-year-old went into the convenience store <laughs> and bought everything. Like that's how it should be. And yes. it uh, snacks and food um, are are very dear to our heart. Yes, um, and it's just, it sustains us in many ways. Um, but our biggest, we take a fridge with us on the Rebel because mm -hmm. it is so long. And also because we love cheese so much. <laughs> <laughs> our is our friend. 
We like cheese in the fridge for sure. If we could have a charcuterie board, uh, <laughs> um, meat and cheese board for every meal, for sure. Um, but also in our in our cubby, in our little, um, we have this in our sort of like center console. Um, you will always find Cheez-Its and you yes. will always find gummy lifesavers. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I told you all before we started recording, I just got back from a two week road trip with my wife, my four year old son and my mother-in-law to Texas, California and back. We had a minivan and half of what the back was filled up with was all of the food. So we had everything. We had yogurts. We had a fridge too. So uh, those Sargento cheese snack packs. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Cheese all the time. And for your four-year-old was like, yes, thank you because snacks are life. Yes. And (laughs) we were constantly digging in there for him as well. Absolutely. So he loved it as much as we did. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Just making memories, you know, that's what we do. Well, I thank you all so much for joining us uh, this week on the podcast. I do have a couple more questions for you for our Patreon members who support us behind the paywall. So uh, stick around for that. But uh, to close out this episode, you have been involved in Rebel. We've talked about that and uh, Rally Jamil. How would young women get involved in pursuing similar paths to what y'all have done? Well, we always say that like if you if you're interested, start doing it, right? right. Start somewhere. Um, I think the way I went about it, I knew I had to sign up to do the first rebel because if I didn't, I would never get started. It's hard for women. I think we want to analyze and know how to win or do something right. before we do it. Um, and in a situation like this, reaching out, I mean, Hopefully we get to put our contact out there so that people that listen to this podcast, if they want they they want information, they can kind of reach out and start that conversation. Um, do it before you necessarily know how to, because otherwise you'll never do it. Great advice. Also, I think as a driver, I mean, and this is what Emily, this is what Emily reinforces with us, and and this is her philosophy is you you'd be really surprised what the car in your driveway is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. If you have an all-wheel drive vehicle and you have just sort of a hankering for getting off-road, um, figure out how figure out how that all-wheel drive system works. Figure out what your you know take a look around your car, see what see where it's where its low points are, see what you think its its capabilities are, and then go find some dirt roads, go find some fire roads that are easy to do and just get out there and start feeling how the car, how, how differently the car handles on dirt and how how it feels to be sort of out without without pavement, without freeway, without everything else. And and if you like that, then there are, you know, there are, are off-roading groups that you can that you can become a part of and they will generally be fairly plugged into um, to off-road motorsports, um, and that world is really opening up quite a bit for women, which is very exciting. And so there are avenues that you can take before you make a big leap and have to, you know, pay some money. Yeah. But but the other the other side of that coin is is there are plenty of people who are interested in sponsorships and who will uh, who will support and sponsor you. So uh, you know, Sedona's right on. Just go do it. Awesome. Well, for our listening guests who this may be their first time ever getting an introduction to either of you fine ladies, where can you be found on the digital world? Go ahead, Lynn. Ramalama ding dongs for me. Um, uh, Really, Instagram is kind of where I live in the social media space. Uh, It's L-Y-N and then two underscores Woodward. Um, The the little icon is a picture of me wearing a, a straw hat. Um, so there, uh, you can find my videos for Kelly blue book on our, uh, KBB YouTube channel. Feel free to subscribe. Um, I share duties with, uh, like Mike Amusio and a guy named Mike danger who are both, uh, outstanding car reviewers and just all around amazing human beings. And that's me. Oh, and I think Doug and Sedona are going to build out my website at some point this year. So, but that's not out there yet, but that'll be (laughs) linwoodward.com. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I am also 
predominantly on Instagram at uh, Sedona Blinson. And you can find our team at team.wild.grace on Instagram and Facebook. And for your convenience, listeners, I will put links to all that down in the show notes so that you can very easily find them and follow their stories. Thank you both so much for joining me and sharing your adventure. Again, just another conversation that I am incredibly jealous of because it sounded like y'all just had an amazing time. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. All right, there you have it. I told you it was going to be a good episode. We just totally had a blast talking with Lynn and Sedona this week. Sue, thank you so much for setting this up. It it was amazing. I, I do have to say, you know, my wife is in travel and tourism. She is constantly singing the praises of experiencing the world around you for yourself. And I, I'm getting the impression from talking with Lynn and Sedona that that was one of the most epic parts of this trip was truly getting to see the world through their own eyes and uh, to see and experience the wonder of Saudi Arabia for themselves, just hearing, you know, how receptive the people were uh, to them as tourists, as participants of this rally. It's amazing. It's heartwarming. It's the feel-good story we need when sometimes the world around us seems to not be so much. So thank you all so much uh, for supporting this podcast. Thank you, Lynn and Sedona, again, for coming on. Thank you, Sue, for making this possible. I'll go ahead and say it. Gearheads, you know where to find us. GTGarageTalk.com gives you links to everything, including our YouTube review channel, the news, our Facebook, our Instagram, all of it. Thank you so much. And until next time, bye.